Shut up, Bella. You know what? No. Hello and welcome back to the Shut Up Bella podcast. The podcast where you will beg me to shut up. And I don't listen. Today we are finishing um, Fortnite with Friends. Very sadly, actually, because I love interviews and I love editing interviews and I love recording interviews. And I'm so sad that now this little interview period is done. But don't worry, I'm going to start recording some almost immediately. Anyway, um, today's episode is with Ananya, who is an incredibly talented writer. But she also is an incredibly insightful person. Now, I found her through Twitter and I read her blog and I did all this background reading on her kind of stalkerish but it's research it's fine <laughs> and so we had an amazing conversation about querying about publishing about seeking representation and I think if that's something you're interested in this episode will be incredibly helpful but she also gave some amazing writing advice and she talked very well about her book which I'm so excited to read and all things like that and honestly I think this is one of the most like inspirational motivational chats I've ever had with anybody like when I say I finished speaking to her and I think I got so much work done also she has the voice of an angel this is a message to Anania like release an audio because something your voice is incredible I could have listened to it all day anyway this is enough of me fan killing and I hope you enjoy the episode as much as I enjoyed recording it and editing it and if you're someone who's looking into publishing and seeking representation and querying, I hope this is a helpful resource. If not, I hope it's just a good listen. And before we get into some the questions I have planned, do you want to give a little bit of a background? Yeah, of course. So um, I'm Ananya. I live in California. Um, I think I've been writing since I was maybe six or seven years old. It's been a quite a long time of me just like writing novels for fun. And I'm currently 18 years old. I am a sophomore in college and I just got my agent about. And so you said, mentioned that you've been writing since you were six or seven. Um, was it, so how long have you been on Wattpad writing? So I've been on Wattpad since I was maybe around 14 or 15 years old. I spent the first year just kind of reading and absorbing the material there. And then I decided that I was ready to kind of try my own hand at it. Started off with a lot of Harry Potter fan fiction, and I ended up writing my own work, I think about six months after I started writing on the platform as a whole. And is that when you started to take your writing more seriously, when um, you started to like change from fan fiction to your own work? Um, honestly, I've kind of taken my writing seriously my entire life, which I think sounds weird, but I have wanted to be an author since I pretty much knew what the word meant. So when I was on Wattpad, even writing fan fiction, I was always thinking, how can I turn these plots and these arcs that maybe I borrowed the characters, but the ideas are my own? How can I add that into my own stories? So I think my brain was always turning in that kind of genre of writing. And then when I ended up writing my own books, it kind of just came really easily to me. Yeah, I started off with fan fiction as well. And I think kind of like like you said, that introduction with someone else's characters, it kind of gets you used to writing plots. And then once you have the plots nailed, you can move on to your own characters. Fan fiction was a great setting story, I think, for some people. 
Yeah, I totally agree, especially when you're young and you're still figuring out like what kind of books you like to read, what kind of character arcs you like to um, kind of mimic in your own writing. It's so much fun just to dip your toe in. And so when was it that your writing started to take off on Wattpad and get more popular? So I wrote Forgetting Brilliance, I think, in September of 2017, and then it was featured December of 2018 or so. It was like a year after I originally published it. And I was um, pretty much fine with that because I sent the novel out without ever, ever thinking that it would go anywhere. So when it was featured as a mystery thriller pick for, I think, the month of October and November, I was like so caught off guard because it was the first time I had ever had any kind of writing achievement to my name. And then from there, things just started trickling in. Um, My next book, which I only ever wrote five chapters of before I shelved because I kind of hated it, um, was shortlisted for the Wadis, I think, also in 2018. So um, things just kind of started happening and people started noticing. And after a while, I kind of realized, you know, I had had a great learning experience on Wattpad and I really tried out those different character arcs that we were talking about. And I really went into everything that I wanted to do but I didn't know if I wanted to keep writing there if that made sense yeah definitely and so in terms of your writing process you mentioned a few of your other works how is it that you initially come up with ideas for a book yeah um so I write typically young adult contemporary when I was writing young adult most mystery and thriller I typically got most of my ideas from reading other books because it just inspired it in me um But once I started writing Young Adult Contemporary Romance, all of my inspiration came from my own life. Because as a college student, as a high school student, I am the same age as the characters I'm writing, like about N4. So it was pretty easy writing like my first book, the one that got me my agent, because these characters are the people I know in my real life. And I'm kind of romanticizing them and giving them this world where they're going to get a happily ever after, which... I think is pretty fun. Mm-hmm. And do you find it easier to like draw on your own life when you're creating a story? Uh, sometimes. I think every now and then your character ends up getting a mind of its own. And when that happens, they start to diverge from the person that you're modeling after, so to speak. And when that happens, it's definitely difficult because you, you have two options. You either allow it to take the path that it does naturally and then retrace your steps and then you know, solidify the character arc throughout so it's no longer this person you were inspired after. Or you kind of push it back and try to make it more like the person that it was supposed to be. And either way, um, I think it's just a choice of the author. So that would probably be the most difficult part of writing off of my own experiences. But otherwise, I really enjoy it just because, you know, you never stop running out of ideas. (laughs) Yeah. And so once you have that, you know, initial idea or spark to write something, how is it that you go about planning? Do you plan thoroughly or do you just start writing with no planning at all? Um, so for my first book on Wattpad, I wasn't really a big planner because like I said, it was like my trial run baby kind of book. So um, I didn't plot anything. I just kind of started writing chapters. And weirdly enough, my first book was a young adult contemporary romance. And then I killed a character in the eighth chapter and I was like, oh my God, you know, maybe I should be writing mystery. (laughs) So um, that's definitely proof that I did not plan anything back then. But once I started to get even more serious about my craft and kind of view it as more of like less of a hobby and more of a skill that I wanted to develop, 
I started plotting a lot. My outline for Kiss Month Connection is six pages long, and it was updated as I wrote. So it constantly followed the shape of the novel that was already existing, which I thought was really cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, as a, like a planner and outliner myself, I love like hearing how other people do it. Like, like doing it as you write, like that sounds incredibly interesting to me. I personally would totally recommend it because the thing I like the most about that is when you go back to your outline and you see how your original idea shifted from the idea that's on paper right now and you kind of reconcile the two, you end up getting a lot more ideas because it's like your two brains from two different times are combining in one moment. It's super cool. Okay, I think I'm definitely going to give that a go for my (laughs) um, nano project this year. That sounds like a really good way of doing it. Oh my god, I love Nano. I've done it every year since 2017, and I, t- I have to say that plotting it makes my life so much easier. I never did it the first two years, and now I can't not do it. I've never done it before. I've always looked at it and thought, oh, like, maybe next year, maybe next year. But this year, I've actually, like, committed to doing it, and I'm terrified. Oh, that is so valid. Nano is so scary when you're, like, looking at it from the outside, because 50,000 words in a month is just insane it's just always insane but um I think once you get into the story and you start to like really enjoy the world you're creating it starts to go by pretty fast at least in my opinion yeah I think it's going to be balanced in writing with everything else in my life that's going to be the number one struggle I think oh yeah definitely um I remember um in high school I did nano while I was studying for my SAT and my mom would just always be yelling at me because she'd be like, why are you awake at two in the morning writing when you have school tomorrow? I'm going to like ring my boss and be like, I can't come to work today. I'm behind on my word count. So yeah. I won't be coming yeah, in. That sounds so professional to say. I love it. <laughs> and so while you're writing, do you have sort of like a favorite like music or snacks, drinks that you like to have around you? Just like set the mood while you're writing? Yeah, so I don't like to eat when I write because I'm a little bit of a germaphobe and I don't like when things that aren't my fingers touch my keyboard. It's like this weird thing that I have. But um, to drink me, um, I was going to say drink music. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, <laughs> um, I do like to drink coffee um, when I'm writing just because it keeps my brain active. And um, I, I'm big about writing to music. I can't write without music. I can't revise without music. I can't even outline without music. And I make these playlists that are indicative of whatever book I'm writing. So every book has its own playlist. And the Kismuth Connection and the book I'm writing right now, they're half um, pop music, like Taylor Swift and that kind of genre. And the other half is Bollywood. So (laughs) it's typically like a good mix of songs that I think represent my characters. And then they just inspire more ideas in me while I write. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, my playlists are crazy. It goes from, like, 90s Britney Spears to, like, crying to Harry Styles within, like, one shuffle. I love that. And, you know, honestly, the whiplash is super fun. As much as it, like, takes you off guard the first time you get used to it. (laughs) And so you mentioned when you were doing Mano in high school, you stayed up until, like, 2 a.m. Is that still, like, the time period you write in? Or, like, what's your favorite time of day to write? So it is so funny you asked that. Um, I slept at 2.30 a.m. last night, like right before this podcast. I woke up at six in the morning. Um, I can only write at night. And it's like a double-edged sword because at least at night, I don't get any distractions. I've spent time with my friends during the day. I did all my homework during the day. 
So once it hits maybe 8 or 9 p.m., I just sit down to write. And typically I'll stop by midnight because I think that's a good three hour block. But if I'm really, really in the zone, I won't stop until I reach like a natural chapter stopping point, which is what happened last night. (laughs) So I only stopped writing at 2 a.m. And it's just something that's always continued. Um, I think it's because the night is just so quiet and it gives you a lot of time to think and not, you know, just kind of get into the zone without feeling like you're going to be interrupted. So that has not changed since I was 15 years old. It is still the same. <laughs> yeah, I would normally write into the night, but I started work at 8 a.m. today. And I don't think my boss would appreciate like me being a total zombie. Yeah, <laughs> like, I was trying to write. I totally get that. That is why all of my classes and my shifts at work are like past 10, p- uh, 10 a.m. So I can kind of buffer that time out. You see, if I was smart, I would work it like that, but... <laughs> am starts for me (laughs) and so a lot of my listeners are fellow writers mainly young writers as well and like you mentioned before about a month ago you got representation for the first time and so particularly I know one of my friends who listens to this she is looking into um, publishing right now and self-publication and all that sort of process so would you mind explaining what it means like to have representation and to be querying for anyone who doesn't know yeah of course so um it took me a lot of research to kind of figure this out because there's a lot of sources out there and they sometimes they contradict each other so I think generally querying is this idea of you create this one page sales pitch for your novel it's about a three paragraph pitch um kind of talking about the stakes like what makes it so cool like the back blurb of the books you see in the library or at Barnes and Noble. And you send it out to these literary agents. And I, my personal advice is to send out these queries to agents that you know you're going to love and agents that represent your book, agents that you know are actively looking for books like yours. And you can find this all online on their manuscript wishlist website. I think that's MSWL. And if you just search that up and then the agent's name, you can find what they're looking for. So at least in my experience, I um, made a few mistakes when I was querying my first book in that I queried literally every literary agent that represented young adult thriller instead of like really looking at what they wanted. My query wasn't really the best because it was I was still getting used to it. It takes some time to figure out how to really pull this kind of profession off because there's so much unsaid. But um, with my second book, I've kind of figured out how to do the process, which is, you know, write that query, write a synopsis, which is essentially this long-winded about one page to just describe your entire novel, spoilers and everything, and then send that along with your first 10 to 25 pages to an agent. And then from there, what they can do is they can either say, you know, no, this isn't for me. And then you go and you try a new agent, or they can say, you know, I love this, send me the full book. And then once you send them the full book, they can say, oh my God, I love this even more. Can we set up a call? And typically, on most cases, nine out of 10 times, that call means you're going to get representation. So it's a long process. Sometimes it takes people a week to get representation. Other times it takes people three years. So it's really a matter of the right place, the right time, and just how passionate you are about your book and how long you're willing to work to get to where you want to go your blog post that you did about your process it was so incredibly insightful for me and I'm going to assume it was for many others who read it how did you go to decide from you know you were writing on what page to seeking 
representation and like professional publication yeah so it was um I kind of talked about this a little earlier but um I've always wanted to be a published author it's my dream since I was a little kid but um there's something different between having a dream and trying to achieve it and it is so stressful I'm, I'm not gonna lie like the imposter syndrome is very real especially when you start writing on Wattpad where as much as it's a great place to start the tropes and the genres and the characters there are so different from the ones that get published. And that's because we're putting, not necessarily first drafts, but we're putting out drafts that we look at at Wattpad versus published books have a team of people working together at all times. So I think the biggest thing for me was when I saw these Wattpad books, which I loved so much. And like, for example, um, someone who was on your show a little while back, Simone, she's one of my favorite writers. Her book is amazing, mm-hmm. and it could be published. And I knew that my books weren't necessarily there yet, but I wanted to get there. So for me, I, that that specifically meant I had to take a step back from Wattpad and see if I could write for myself rather than for an audience. And I think that's what Kismet Connection was for me. It was, I'm going to take a step back. I'm going to see if I can write this book, not because I want views or not because I want votes, but because I really like the characters. And then from there, we'll see if I still want to be a published author. And it just worked. I I wish there was something more logical involved because I'm a STEM major and I would love to just give you a formula. But um, <laughs> it was kind of just like this moment when I was writing the 10th chapter of my new book. And I was like, I never want to stop writing for myself. And that's when I kind of stopped writing on Wattpad and I just wrote on my MS Word document. Yeah, that's incredibly interesting. Yeah, especially in terms of like the difference between Wattpad and professional works. I, I use works in like quotes because obviously people spend a lot of time on their Wattpad feed. Mm-hmm. Do you think being in the industry that coming from a Wattpad background, does that ca- kind of get looked down upon almost? So at first I thought it would get looked down upon just because that's what I'd heard, right? Um, you know, Wattpad has this stereotype of, books that aren't well written which is so not true it's just ever since we had that big uh, Harry Styles kind of fan fiction craze in 2013 it kind of stuck to Wattpad but um, besides that I actually put that I was a Wattpad featured author in all of my query letters to agents and I had decided to do that because I as much as I was kind of worried that people would look down on me for it I knew that if I didn't say I was from Wattpad, I wasn't really putting myself out there as the writer that I was because all all the skills that I developed, every single one of them came from my time on Wattpad. So at least in my experience, no one really held it against me. And in fact, my agent right now currently even said on the phone, like she loves that I already have that audience and that I had a building block to get me to where I am. So I think it depends from agent to agent and author to author. But um, it hasn't held me back. And in fact, I think it's given me more opportunities. Mm-hmm. And so for anyone who hasn't seen your blog post but is still listening to this, would you mind giving a quick overview of what your process was like in terms of querying and finding your agent? Yeah, of course. Um, so my blog post is a little bit more of the longer like story version of this. But um, for me, what ended up happening was I wrote Forgetting Billions on Wattpad, and it was the first book I'd ever completed. So, you know, it holds a special place in my heart, even though it's not really something that might come out into the world ever. Um, 
but I loved that book and I knew that I wanted to publish it or at least I wanted to try and see what would happen and see if someone else had the same love for it that I did and I got three full requests which is when the agent sees their sees the query and goes you know what I'd love to read the whole book I got three full requests and I sent 35 queries so that's it's a it's a good request rate but it didn't result in any offers because no one the book wasn't ready and I don't think anyone was willing to take the time to workshop the book with me which makes total sense because agents are such busy people so when this happened I had two options. I could either rewrite Forgetting Billions, you know, go back, really dig into the nitty gritty of it, or I could try something new. And the reason I decided to try something new is actually funny. Um, the last person to ever read my book was one of my beta readers. Um, her name is Jennifer, and she's the sweetest person, but she read it, and she had a lot of great feedback that I could have implemented, but there's one thing that stood out to me in her edit letter, and that was, you have done such a great job of writing the romance I wonder if you can turn this book into a young adult contemporary romance because your voice fits it. And I think that got my brain turning because up until that moment, I'd only ever written plot-based narratives. Like, you know, I'm going to kill someone in chapter 10 and, you know, someone's going to do this, someone's going to do that, like a thriller. But when I got that note, I was like, you know, she's right. My romance arcs have always been the ones that stood out to people. So I decided to write an entire book of just romance. And that was when everything else came into play. Like, you know, me wanting to take a step back from Wattpad, me wanting to write for myself, that all happened after I shelved Forgetting Billions and decided maybe I could play on the skill that I have for writing characters in romance. And when that happened, I wrote Kismet Connection in six months because the book was so familiar to me. It came out of a lot of personal experiences. And I edited it in two months. Um, I had six or seven critique partners look at it who are all wonderful people. And I was ready to query within eight months. And I remember thinking, everyone told me in my entire life that it takes longer. And there's no way a second draft of a book could be ready. But I had considerably improved my writing since my first book. And by my second draft of Kismuth Connection, it was ready for people to see as much as I was so surprised to admit it. So I sent out 30 queries, just like Forgetting Billions. And of those 30, about 18 responded back with a full request. And from those 18, I got two offers of representation. I could have gotten more, but the first agent that called me, um, I just knew that I wanted to work with her from the very beginning because she understood my book like the back of her hand. It was incredible. So I didn't want to wait any longer and I withdrew a lot of my full manuscripts because I just had so much faith in my agent. And, you know, the rest is history. <laughs> um, and I think what was really interesting in the middle of that is I participated in a Twitter pitch event called PitMat. Uh, basically you pitch your novel in 100 to 200 characters, I'm not quite sure. And agents had the opportunity to request more material. And so my pitch um, kind of ended up blowing up. And that was how I even found my agent right now. It's because she asked for the book after seeing my pitch. So I guess that's a little bit of a summary of how I got to where I am right now. Yeah, that's so interesting. And I'm, I hope it's helpful. I know at least one person who's listening to this who it's going to be helpful Oh, that's for. great. I'm so happy. <laughs> And so you also mentioned in your blog post that you did quite extensive research into this whole process. Do you think that sort of research is essential for anyone 
undertaking querying? Um, I'm not sure if it's necessarily essential. Um, I'm a really type A person in that I love to know everything about anything I'm getting into. It's a little bit of a thing that I have to do. So um, when I got into querying, um, especially after my first book kind of like crashed and burned miserably and it was like really painful for me to go through, um, research was the most important thing because I didn't want to put myself through that again and through that feeling of I wasn't prepared enough and I could have avoided a lot of the rejections that came my way, which I guess looking back now is funny because it just led me to the moment like right now. But at the time, I personally felt that research was so important because it would just save me, I guess, from losing another book, if that like makes any sense at all. I'm kind of rambling. No, yeah, that makes perfect sense. So I, I think it depends from person to person. Um, if you feel like you have the connections or the knowledge already from your friends and family to enter the publishing world, or you have friends that have already queried and you can talk to them and hear about their experiences, those are also forms of research. Um, I didn't have any of those things, so I had to go to Google and like look at every single site that popped up for how to get a literary agent. But that doesn't mean you have to do that either. I think as long as you feel comfortable and you feel confident with what you're doing, you're going to be fine. Yeah, and who knows, maybe this podcast could be someone's form of research. Oh my god, <laughs> that's adorable. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. It made my day. <laughs> And so you mentioned that you faced quite a few setbacks throughout this process. So how did you manage to stay motivated and not lose hope? Um, so I guess that's probably the nature of my personality. Um, I've been through quite a lot of setbacks in my entire life. Um, been through a lot. And because of that, I think I've developed this sort of thick skin that um, what people say about me doesn't really define my own work. You know, it took a while to get that. It's definitely something that I still work on now, even after getting to where I am but um for me each rejection they were so sweet I had like the best agents that would take the time out of their day to give me feedback on why things weren't working for them or um you know when my book didn't make um the didn't actually get a wadi on Wattpad and only made it onto the long list you know the small things where you kind of feel like your heart drop because you expected more um I think for me I took the day to kind of grieve and to process and just kind of be like you know, it's fine. It happens to everyone. No one gets anywhere without rejection. And then the next day, once I like fully kind of understood the emotional weight of what had just happened, my brain just kicks into logical mode. And I think, okay, what can I do to make sure this never happens again? What can I do to remember that this doesn't say anything about me? This just means it's not my time yet. And I think once I kind of had that mentality and started asking myself those questions, it became a lot easier to move past setbacks because I just knew that one day something would stick if I kept working. And then because this sounds like such like a full-on time-consuming experience, how did you manage to balance this with other things going on? Like you mentioned that you're in school, you're in college. How did that work in terms of the rest yeah, of your life? Yeah, um, so... I honestly don't know <laughs> when I look back because it's like, oh my God, how did I do that in the moment? But um, I think for me, it's just like making time on a day-by-day basis because like my schedule isn't always the same. I have a job and, you know, my classes are pretty consuming because I'm in pre-med, like a bio degree. So there are a lot of times where I don't have time to write. Like I'm not the person who writes every day. I am not the person who 
you know, takes the time to time themselves and do a 1000 word exercise every day. That's never been me. That's never going to be me because my schedule just doesn't allow it. So um, what I've done instead is kind of whenever I kind of get a spark of inspiration, I just run with it. So, uh, for example, I was recently on a call for a research meeting and um, I got an idea and I just found like whatever piece of paper that was next to me, it was a napkin and just kind of wrote it down super, super quick and then went back to my meeting. And then the minute it ended, I just wrote it into my book. So I think the way I kind of handled everything was making sure that all my ideas weren't being lost in my brain and waiting until I had a good moment to sit down with it and put it into action. And it took a lot of time and it's really stressful a lot of the time. But um, it's always ended up working out for me. It's just more of a process than, you know, a perfect schedule. Can I just say I'm so impressed that you are pre-med <laughs> and still find time to do all of this. Thank wow. you. Um, <laughs> sometimes it definitely feels like I'm more a writer than pre-med, more pre-med than a writer. But I think at the end of the day, I'm just happy with what I'm doing. So it ends up working out. <laughs> And then with Forgetting Billions, how did you come to the decision to shelf this book and move forward with Kids Back Connection? Was it a hard decision to make or did it come quite easily? Yeah, so um, I mentioned this a little bit earlier and it was pretty difficult. I'm not going to lie because I think, I don't know if you've ever experienced kind of the satisfaction that comes with writing your first book and you're like, oh my God, I finished yeah. it, right? It just feels so good. And when it doesn't reach the expectations you had for it and objectively I shouldn't have had such high expectations in the first place but you know I was 16 years old and I was just like dreaming my whole like life away and when the responses came back and it was pretty clear that this book wasn't going to be the one it's really difficult to process that and I remember I talked to a lot of my friends when this had happened and I've always had the most supportive friends and family and even now, they like to, like, push me to rewrite the book and try to get it out there in some other way. <laughs> but um, regardless, uh, talking to them and kind of discussing what that meant for me, the idea of shelving my first book and moving on and seeing if my brain could even come up with something new, if it ever even could. Um, it was it was hard, but it was easier with them because in their eyes, it was really simple. Like, Ananya, you're a writer. You should be able to write another book so I think I kind of took their confidence in me and tried to like pretend that I had it as well <laughs> and I wrote Kismuth Connection and it was really difficult at first because I switched entire genres and there were times where I just didn't really know what I was doing and I was you know, reading romance books and I was trying to figure out what these arcs are and just kind of relearning everything I thought I already knew in more detail so, I mean, looking back on it, it was it was hard. It was hard shelving that book just because it meant so much to me. But I wouldn't change it. I definitely I definitely think it was a great decision to shelve Forgetting Billions for the time being and work on a book that I think was even closer to my heart for some reason. I don't know how it ended up working that way, but it did. Can you see yourself ever returning to Forgetting um, Billions? I have been thinking about it. Um, the thing about forgetting billions is it would require it's because um, I know that I love writing romance because it's all I've ever read since I was a kid. 
So it comes really naturally to me, but also it's what I, I enjoy because I love character-driven fiction. It's just my favorite thing in the world. So if I were to you know, revisit Forgetting Billions, I'd have to convert it from a thriller to a romance. And I could see myself doing that, but not right now because I'm having so much fun writing, you know, happy stories about like teenagers falling in love and lots of hope and, you know, family and those kind of warm and fuzzy things that I'm not sure if I can necessarily go back to such a dark story just yet, but I can see it happening one day. Yeah, you mentioned so far quite a bit kismet connection the writing process for this sounds like it was crazy i can't get my head around like six months to write two months to edit it takes me at least like two no i I totally get it it took me a year and a half to finish forgetting billions so if that's normal (laughs) i think the reason kismet connection moved so fast was because um i mentioned this but um it is literally me in my own book if that makes sense and Forgetting Billions wasn't that. Forgetting Billions was based off of like things I had heard, experiences I'd like witnessed as a third party. But Kismet Connection is a manifestation of the person I was, you know, five years back and the person I am now. And those two people are manifested in two different characters. So when you're essentially writing your own story and kind of just dramatizing and romanticizing it for fun, it becomes the most enjoyable experience in the world. So I think that's why it moved so fast for me, because like every day I couldn't think without thinking about Kismuth Connection and like, oh, my God, after class, I want to write or, oh, my God, you know, my friends are going to hang out and I want to hang out with them, but I still have a chapter to write. Like, that's how my brain worked in college when I was writing this book. And yeah, like you said, um, the main character is most like yourself. What do you share in common? Um, Yeah, so this is a little bit um, personal, which I'm perfectly fine with talking about because it's been a while. But um, my main character, um, there's two. There's a boy and a girl, and they're in love, which is, you know, normal for romance. But um, Madhuri, which is the female character, she deals with a lot of um, self-doubt. But it's not the kind of self-doubt where you feel like you're not good enough. It's the kind of self-doubt where people have always told you you're not enough for them, and you start to internalize it. And in Madhuri's case, and in my case as well, um, when I was 12 to 14 years old, we both had a lot of people telling us that, you know, your skin tone isn't necessarily desirable, or your Indian name is too hard to pronounce, or the food you eat is smells horrible, like, why would you bring it to the lunchroom, stuff like that, like little small things. And, you know, they don't mean a lot when they first, when people first say it to you. And then you think back on it and you're like, how did I let them get away with that? And how did I let them take something that I love and make me start to hate it? So that's something Madhuri really deals with is this idea of reclaiming her Indian identity, reclaiming her culture and kind of being proud of who she is, even if other people can't see that in her. So that was really personal for me to write because that's something I had to learn um, when I moved to California in 2016. Because at my old school, I didn't really fit in and I didn't really feel like my identity had a place where I used to live. So that was definitely like embodied in Madhuri, my female main character. And then Arjun, on the other hand, is a bit of a foil to her. And for him, he is so proud of his Indian identity because he has, he only has that in his life. He relies on who he is 
more than he relies on anything else. And that's who I am right now. So essentially, Madhuri's love interest is just the person that I am in California in college right now at this moment, proud of her identity and kind of just, you know, you can say whatever you want, but it's not going to affect me. So I guess that's the biggest similarity. It's just these characters are versions of myself at different points in time. And when that's the case, it's so easy to write it, even if it's really emotionally draining at the time. And I think stories like that, not only are they so timeless, but they touch so many different people, especially identity struggles. That's going to resonate with Thank so you. many different people. People from the same background as yourself and people from like various different backgrounds. It's Yeah, so and I, it sucks that people will have to deal with this and that it's like a normal thing to talk about, you know? Like, I wish that wasn't the case. But um, I remember listening to podcasts like these actually when I was younger and like hearing these people overcome the doubt that other people had placed in their head. So, you know, I hope that I can do the same for someone else one day because, you know, it's difficult and it's really, it's hard. And this book was a big part of my healing, but it's like, I wouldn't change it for the world. I could not go back to the person I was back when I was 13. (laughs) It's great that you've, managed to overcome it and not only that but find such a useful outlet that's cool yeah I really feel like writing as well if you if you enjoy writing I think as much as it's really difficult to insert your own trauma and your own baggage into your work I think that sometimes it can be really therapeutic and there were times when I was crying while writing this book because it just it felt like I was talking to my younger self and I was telling her you know like you're gonna be okay people are gonna love you for you like don't worry about it And those moments were really difficult, but they were also the most rewarding. And, you know, looking back on when I drafted Kiss Month Connection a year later, those are the moments that I've remembered the most. So, you know, I would recommend it if you're feeling open ever, anyone to, um, you know, kind of re-diving into your history in the form of writing, I would really recommend trying it. And so alongside these um, identity struggles of the main character. What else will oh, this book um, entail for? So, Guess Connection is a young adult contemporary romance. Um, I think the biggest uh, concept, though, is Madhuri, which is this main character who, like I said, just hates everything Indian, just does not want to be a part of it. She still, she still does certain Indian things for her mom, for her dad, and her sister, and for Arjun, who's her childhood best friend. And she kind of takes part in it because it makes them happy. And every year they get their astrology chart read by their mother and or by Madhuri's mother. And this year, for one of the first times, Madhuri's a big time, like high achiever. Her chart says that she's going to fail and her chart says she's going to fail miserably. And Arjun's, on the other hand, says he's going to succeed. And Madhuri cannot seem to stomach that. So um, she ends up deciding, you know, I have free choice in this world the universe doesn't decide if I succeed or not. I get to do that. And if that's the case, I'm going to pull off certain experiments to test the power of fate and the power of destiny in my life. And this all comes back to this reading where her mother says, you know, you're going to screw up your own relationships. People aren't going to like you as much as they used to. You're going to lose a lot of friends and family who you just push too far. And you might just like fall in love and lose it at the same time. And this just 
pisses Madhuri off. So she's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to create an experiment with Arjun, this guy who I know has loved me since we were little kids and I've never loved him back. And I'm going to date him and then break up with him on my terms so that I can prove that Destiny doesn't get to say when I break up with a boyfriend, Destiny doesn't get to say how I respond to pain. I do. And if I break Arjun's heart in the process, then so be it. And, you know, the rest of the book follows, you know, Arjun and Madhuri going back and forth, trying to figure out what they mean to each other, trying to figure out their place in high school and in the world as Indian teenagers, trying to figure out, you know, if they're even meant to be in each other's life or if destiny is just this kind of, you know, abstract concept that they've just believed like a fairy tale. And, you know, they have a happily ever after. So that's more or less what my readers would be getting into if they were to read read Christmas Connection. That sounds so incredibly exciting. It's like ticking like all the boxes I have in my head of like my favorite aspects of books. It was a joy to write and it's so much fun. These characters. Um, hear me? Hello? Oh, hi. Can you I think I lost you for a second. Hello? Oh, I'm so sorry. I'll just like repeat myself yeah, really yeah. quick. And if you want to cut this, you can. Um. Yeah, this book was a total joy to write. Um, these characters have a mind of their own and they pull a lot of stupid stunts and they are very, very full of themselves at times. But they feel like the kind of people, like they feel like my best friends. So I hope that readers one day can also have that kind of connection to them. And when we were talking earlier about um, switching from Forgetting Billions to Kiss My Connection, you made such an incredible comment about um, your writing style and how you feel like it suits romance a bit more. What would you say is the most important factor in understanding a writer's individual style? Oh, can you hear me? Hi, I'm so sorry. I don't know what just happened. Thank you so much. Yeah, I think it cut out for a second. I'll just repeat the question. I was just saying, um, earlier you made a great comment about your writing style and how you feel like it fits romance like the best. Do you have any advice for um, young writers or writers who are been writing for years how to understand yeah, your so, writing um, style? And for me, the best way to find best? out is always reading books. I think that it's really difficult to write when you don't really have a source material not necessarily to copy because don't copy books but inspire you and to see what kind of books you connect to so um this is kind of like a little bit of a I think about sometimes when I'm writing but um when I was younger um do you remember back in like 10 and 12 when everyone was obsessed with Sarah J Mass and like Throne of Glass yeah and it was this like really big phenomenon right yeah so I know, um, yeah I like the books that I read at the time was like the yeah. Pretty Little Liars series and like you know um, the little romance novels that were stocked in the weird corner of the young adult fiction section. Um, but then Throne of Glass came out and everyone was like, "Ananya, why don't you read yeah. these books? Like, come on, like it's such a big thing." And I read it, and you know it was great. It's a great book and it's really interesting. But I didn't have the connection I had with these romance books, and it was. I really tried to fight the romance books for such a long time too. And I don't know if that's internalized misogyny talking or whatever, but um, 
I was so determined to like fantasy and to like plot-driven fiction that when the time came to write it, which is Forgetting Billions, which is a plot-driven young adult mystery novel, I, I did it. I pulled it off because I read that kind of books. But I wasn't, like, head over heels for it the way I was with Kismuth Connection, where it just felt like, oh, my God, I could, like, write this for ages because this is all I write. This is what I enjoy. This is what I could see myself doing for so long. So um, uh, that was how I figured out my reading style. And then it just inherently connected to my writing style. But um, I think when you don't have that necessary, like, really specific, like, light bulb moment, I think the best way to figure out your writing style beyond reading other books and seeing where you kind of fit into the scale would be to kind of look at it, not from a plot perspective, but from a line level perspective and kind of see like, okay, what are you putting a lot of your focus into? Are you describing like luscious settings? Are you talking about, you know, these beautiful characters? Are you describing plots and like creating twists that no one would see coming? And if you can find those like little markers in your books, because everyone has a quirk that they're just very, very good at in their writing. It, and as much as you might not see it yourself, other people see it. So for me, um, my beta reader saw that like as much as you can create a plot twist, your quirk or your like big thing is characters. So why don't you focus on that and see where it takes you? And I think just a matter of like introspection and reflection on your writing, you can kind of see what stands out in this gigantic piece of words the most and that can probably give you a good hint as to what genre you are probably best suited to writing and i feel like a lot of people are scared to be like oh this is the bit i'm good at but like there's nothing wrong with having like that hindsight yeah i agree and i think um, there's this idea that creatives and this really annoys me so i'm gonna do a little bit of a rant but um there's this idea that creatives cannot be proud of their own writing and that there's this idea of or their own art or their own whatever creation they're making because it's like this idea of being humble like oh you know the muse just spoke to me you know i don't know how it happened i just wrote well no like you did a big thing you should be proud of it you should be like no, dude, like, I spent so much time on this. I'm so good at writing this book. And, like, you're going to see it, too, when you read it. And I think that confidence can, it's hard to develop. And it's definitely something that comes with time. I still don't have it. I just kind of act like I do. Um, But I think it helps you write more, too, because you're not spending so much time worrying about, like, oh, did I get this right? Or, oh, is someone going to hate it when they read it? And you're just kind of like, you know what, I'm writing this for me, and I like it. So I'm going to keep going. Yeah, like, exactly. No I'm so happy you said that because that's like so. my favorite quote. As much as like someone might have a similar premise to you, you're the only one that can pull it off the way you pull it off. So nothing should be stopping you. Definitely. And now to move on to a little bit, sec- a little section about um, like your social media experience as a writer. So Wattpad does definitely get a mixed review in terms of people's positive experiences and also people's negative experiences. For you, when in your time on Wattpad, do you think that um, the positive so I think it outweighed the negative? kind of fluctuated over time. Uh, it depends on what kind of uh, experiences and positive negative reviews that we're talking about. Because if you're looking at Wattpad writers themselves, their positive negative reviews revolve around you know the way stories get out there most of the time because of the recent update or change where Wattpad kind of stopped doing the, like, the genre list. But... Um, that, that really upset me because that's how I made my like yeah. big break on Wattpad. It was through a genre list. But 
anyways, I think the general public's mixed reviews are more on like, oh, you know, Wattpad writers only write about bad boys. Wattpad writers don't know how to actually write. Wattpad writers are just fan fiction writers. And that is really false. I mean, there's a section of the population that does that. But that isn't the whole, and it's not even anywhere near the whole. So in my experience, I was um, surrounded by a group of talented writers who were writing original stories that had the ability to be published because of how good they were. And I think when you're surrounded by that kind of community, the positives definitely outweigh the negative because you're inspired by your own colleagues, essentially. You're in this work area and creative space where everyone is so talented but they're also so willing to help you and like kind of guide you on a path of, to success or at least to a path of better writing so in my like my personal opinion I no matter what anyone says Wattpad is always going to have you know a good positive review in my head and things change obviously but based on my memories I had a really great time there Yeah, I think like one of the best advice I could give somebody if they're just starting on Wattpad or want to start Wattpad is to find yes. yourself like a little section of this community. I 100% agree. And because I think so um, inspiring. Even when you're a part of that community, there's always other communities you're kind of looking at and like wanting to be a part of. And it's just the creativity just, I mean, there's two options. Either your creativity compounds and just grows and grows and grows because you're surrounded in this environment or your creativity kind of takes a back burner because of the sheer nature of Wattpad, which is releasing and releasing and releasing to please readers. And so I've personally gone through both. There have been times when I've burnt out because it's just like, I cannot write another chapter right now. But there are other times where I'm like writing like crazy because my community is backing me up. So I think that like everything in the world, there's a lot of give and take, but Wattpad definitely has you know a great review in my head. And so you mentioned um, burnout briefly there. Do you have any advice yeah, of course. on how to overcome things like writer's block or burnout? Um, oh my gosh. I can hear you now. I'm so sorry. I do not know what's going on. Hello, can you hear me? Oh, yeah, it's like, oh my gosh, I don't know. I'm so sorry. It's like with this putting you through the ringer right now. <laughs> um, so advice for over <laughs> know about that, honestly. Um, something I'm just going to repeat what I said. So um, basically when overcoming writer's block for me, I um, it happens to me quite often just because I do this really bad thing where I write and I write and I write and I write and then I burn out. And it's it's natural. It happens to everyone. But when that burnout happens, I just physically cannot write again. And it's the most devastating experience because writing is my safe space. And writing is where I decondense and kind of, you know, make sense of the world around me when I'm not necessarily at my best. So when I physically can't do it, it's really demoralizing. And recently, the past two weeks, I've been working on or the past month, actually, I've been working on revisions for my agent. And you know, the first round of revisions went super fast, but the problem with it going super fast was I burnt out again. So I was dealing with quite a lot of writer's block this week and I beat it last night when I stood up till 2 a.m. <laughs> but um, 
essentially my advice for this is I wouldn't push yourself as much as I like, you know, make that mistake myself. I always look back on it and I regret it. Um, when you're facing writer's block or when you're facing burnout and when like looking at that word document just kind of either sends fear through you because that white page is just so scary or, you know, just makes you want to throw your laptop out a window. I think that's a sign that it might be best to take a break from writing for a few days. Your book isn't going anywhere. Your stories aren't going anywhere. You know, one missed deadline isn't going to be the end of the world. And I think once you realize that you're writing not for someone else, not necessarily for career all the time, and sometimes you're just writing because you love it, it's easier to kind of overcome that writer's block, that burnout where you push yourself too far and settle back into what made you start writing in the first place, which is just you love books. And I think that that's what it comes down to, taking breaks, you know, hanging out with your friends, maybe doing homework, I don't know, whatever makes you happy and isn't writing based. And then I think once you're refreshed, you'll want to come back to it. And when you get that feeling, you pretty much overcome it. And it, it takes some time, but um, I think you eventually end up getting back to it one day. That is excellent advice. So we managed to get a couple of questions from um, listeners and your readers as well. The first question was very popular. Is there yeah, any advice um, that so you have I could talk about this for forever, writers. but I'm sure you don't want me talking your ear off any longer than I already have. Um, <laughs> thank you. Um, so oh, the biggest I advice do. I have for writers, Keep especially talking. new writers, especially young writers. So I started out pretty young myself, and there's going to be a lot of times when people kind of give you that condescending like oh you write what a cute hobby and they kind of make you feel down on yourself for even trying to you know be someone great and that is like half of the time why I get writer's block it's because these voices are coming in where it's like you know why are you even trying to be a published author so young why are you spending your time on Wattpad when you could be doing this or when you could be doing that and I think it's really hard to close those voices out but when you start to ignore them and you start to say you don't know me, you don't know what I want to do with my life, you don't understand how far I'm willing to go, it's really easy to stand up for yourself, essentially. And writing is just a matter of standing up for yourself and standing up for your characters all the freaking time. <laughs> like, people are always going to say bad things, people are always going to try to knock you down, people are always going to have some sort of professional jealousy. And I think the minute you just kind of realize like I'm doing this for myself and I say this all the time because that's what I believe that when you write for yourself things feel easier and things feel less like it feels less like the writing is suffocating you and more like that it's freeing you I think when you do that it's a lot easier to just kind of you know write and like do what you want to do so long story short um the biggest advice I have is just kind of Focusing on you and focusing on your paper, focusing on your book and, you know, let people say whatever they want to say, but you know yourself best and I know that you are going to do great. So it's just a matter of you also knowing that too. The next question. Yeah, was, um, so I'm really glad you, you asked me that because I'm so excited right about now. my next book. Um, I'm writing another young adult romance. I've kind of created my niche and my brand. So like, um, one caveat I'm just going to like say before I continue is it is so valid and it's so awesome to write in multiple genres and so many authors that I look up to do that. I personally could not do that for my life, <laughs> but 
Um, my next book essentially is a young adult contemporary romance. Um, it follows the little sister of the main character of Kiss Month Connection as she figures out how to love her um, ex-boyfriend again. And it's a second chance romance. It's about two Bollywood dancers that have been fighting on opposite teams their entire life, only for them to fall in love, fall out of love, and then not know how to find each other again. I think it's just a really fun story about how, you know, some people, as much as you want to run away, you just can't let them go. And that's okay if they're good people. So I'm really excited to write this one in particular. Thank you. That sounds very exciting. I can't wait. The next question I absolutely love. If you could pick any of your oh, characters this is such to have a good a dinner question. party with, I can't who believe I've never thought of this before. Oh my god. <laughs> um okay, so I think I would definitely pick Arjun in Kismet Connection. So one thing I'm just gonna say really quick, I um Madhuri is um kind of scary <laughs> even as the person who created her she's very headstrong very intense like she knows what she wants and I love that about her but I definitely feel like I'd be scared of her if I got dinner with her so I'm just gonna keep her in my head for now um Madhuri's best friend Josie is actually based off of my best friend in real life so I could get dinner with her whenever I want <laughs> um and Arjun the reason I would pick him is because um there is something really interesting about him and I feel like I don't see that in a lot of people anymore. And it's that Arjun is so hopeful and he's so loyal and nothing breaks that. Once he feels bonded to you, he's always going to feel bonded to you. Even when your relationship maybe, maybe doesn't work out the way he expects it to, he's the kind of person that's never going to leave your side. And I think he would be so much fun to have dinner with because I would just love to pick his brain about, you know, what he thinks about his place in the universe because he loves talking about that kind of stuff and what he thinks about the other people in his life and how he feels he is as a friend I just I would love to get to know him better which sounds so weird to say but I really want to kind of dig into his character more so I would love to get dinner with him okay well I definitely think Arjun would want Indian food for just by project. like him being him <laughs> But um, I definitely think I would force him into eating like Italian food with me because that's <laughs> my personal favorite. And I am I have a little bit of Madhuri's headstrongness, so I think I could pull it off. <laughs> this next question again, so interesting. Someone DM'd mm -hmm. me this question because they said it didn't fit in the sticker on Instagram, and they said. What's it like to be a young woman of color in an industry that that's so dominant? An amazing question. By older white men. Whoever asked me that is just such a genius. <laughs> okay, um, um, it's something that I've definitely had to come to terms with. I'm I still not. I haven't really fully processed it, to be honest, because it's a lot to unpack. Definitely, um, being a young woman of color is difficult in different ways. Um, I can talk to each of my identities uh, as unique entities. So um, being young, there's a lot of, not a lot, but there is some ageism in the publishing industry, not in like, you know, a bad way where you can't make it if you're young, but more of a whole, like, if you're young, you're, you might not have as much talent or as hard work, as much hard work or as much, I guess, reason to be in the industry as someone older than you. And that really played out in my querying, actually, because I did not say my age in my bio. I didn't even mention it, didn't come close to mentioning it. And 
you know, most of the people that I ended up talking to thought I was in my 20s. And it helped me out. I think if people had known I was 18 when I was sending my book out to them, they might have gone in with the impression of this can't be good. So like the advice I'd have for that is honestly, it's not something you can avoid. People, when you're young and when you're succeeding in some way, shape or form, people are always going to doubt you. And I touched on this a little bit before, but um, I think it's a matter of like blocking those voices out definitely. And as for the women of color aspect, I don't ever see myself ever or the my fellow women of color either getting the rights that we deserve entirely in this industry. We can try and we are trying and so many women of color have done so much for the writing community like uh, DV Pit, which is a Twitter pitch event specifically for marginalized creators made by marginalized creators, specifically made by women of color. It's incredible what they've done to increase the accessibility in this industry, but it's nowhere near enough. And I personally think that it's just a matter of having like super thick skin and kind of having so much faith in your writing and in your ability that no matter what anyone says and no matter the fact that you're in an industry that inherently rewards people for their identity, an identity that you don't often share is all you can really do. And it sounds so hopeless when I'm saying it like this, but um, at least for me, it Wattpad actually helped me get used to my identity and kind of realize that this isn't something that's going to change. My identity actually influences my writing, and that's what makes my writing unique. So when you kind of think of it that way, it's a lot easier to stand up for yourself in this kind of industry of old white men where you might often hear like, oh, like, what does your story have that we don't? You know, why are you writing about like the same romance that already happened a thousand times before? And it's kind of like, well, no, it didn't happen a thousand times before. Gatekeepers have consistently kept out women of color and young people and all these marginalized identities. So these stories actually don't exist. And I think once you kind of decide that I want to be the one that's shepherding this change in the industry, it becomes a lot easier to bear, but it's, it's still not so it's still not a cakewalk, you know? Yeah, that's so inspiring. Yeah, um, it's, it's definitely sure hard to believe at times. Like, well. I think that young people and women of color and even um, you know, men of color, people on the spectrum, they deal with a lot of imposter syndrome because it inherently feels like your stories don't matter because they don't exist, right? You don't see them anywhere. But um, I think once you realize that just because they're not necessarily out there in grand scales like books about white boys are, um, doesn't mean they don't matter. It doesn't mean that readers don't need them because readers need, they need diverse books. And I think when you write with this idea of, I want to do this for little me, or I want to do this for the girl who, or the boy that had never seen themselves in the books before until they're 18 years old, it kind, it's kind of like you understand your purpose for even dealing with all of the stuff in this industry in the first place. Yeah, as a queer woman as well, like, I always make sure that I have some sort of, like, LGBTQIA plus women in there because I know what young me reading that would have absolutely loved it. So it does, it definitely brings authenticity. <laughs> exactly. And it takes a lot of courage to write your identity. I have to say that. It's not easy, especially because, you know, having a marginalized identity comes with a lot of baggage and it comes with, like, we deal with a lot to even get to where we are right now. So when you write it into a book, it's like you're giving a piece of your heart to save another human being. 
And I think that's so admirable. So anyone who's trying to be a part of the industry and anyone who has this dream of making it in a world that maybe doesn't seem like they want you, I guarantee you people want you and people want your stories. And like, I believe in you and I hope you believe in yourself too. That is such a great statement. And I think that's a great (laughs) way to end this podcast on such a happy and hopeful note. Thank you so much for chatting with me today. I've had so much fun. I feel so inspired right now. Like I have my document, I have my document like ready to Thank write. Thank you so much. Open it was a just pleasure to come and answer these incredible. questions. I had such a great time and I'm happy to inspire you. And I'm a little bit inspired too, if I'm going to be honest. <laughs> if you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the podcast by reaching out through a DM or a message, you can do so through my social medias. And the ones I use the most for the podcast are Instagram and Twitter. Or you can find me at Shut Up Bella with an extra S for shut. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed and let me know any thoughts or opinions you have on this episode. Goodbye. Lots of love from Bella.